Okay, so this is our the beginning of our winter quarter, and we will be covering First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, which means that we will be covering portions of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles because that is a lot of material. First and Second Kings, uh, the author. The authors is thought to be, and this is from Jewish tradition, uh, Jeremiah for Kings, Ezra for Chronicles. They, uh, the autographs were written as one book each. And then when the Septuagint was, um, they translated Hebrew to Greek, the Greek text was much longer. And so they divided it into two. And that's how our English Bibles have it. And our first lesson this morning is titled The Reign of David. And we will be covering 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 22, verse 1. We have to talk fast. No. The first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles are genealogies. Start, starting with Adam, following the line of the Messiah, and then when they get to Jacob's children, it follows the genealogies of every tribe. And um, then it ends up, chapter 10 is about Saul. Chronicles is interesting because it doesn't focus much on the sins of the kings, and it doesn't follow the northern kings. It uh, follows the kings of Judah. <clears throat> and so, um, and that makes sense because the uh, Israelites were coming out of Babylonian captivity. And the Chronicles are meant to encourage them about their destiny. <clears throat> but anyway, um, I'll just look at, in chapters 1 through 10, I'll look at two verses chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, which speaks of Saul and what happened to Saul. Saul was the first king of the United Kingdom, and remember, Saul was chosen by God. God chose Saul. He told Samuel to anoint Saul when the nation was asking for a king. So Saul was chosen by God. Saul did not follow the Lord, however. And you'll notice as we go through these books that the Lord rates the kings, good or bad. Of the kings of the northern division, Israel, there were either 19 or 20 kings. There were no kings that were good. Of 20 kings of Judah, there were eight kings that were good. So that's not a very good track record. And um, the Lord did not rate the kings based on their uh, GDP, on their military might, on any of those things that we use to evaluate our president, for example. He rated them on their adherence to the Mosaic Covenant. So that is how he determined if it was a good king or a bad king. But anyway, chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, 
So Saul, the first king of the United Kingdom, died for his trespass, which he committed against the Lord, because of the word of the Lord, which he did not keep, and also because he asked counsel of a medium, making inquiry of it, and did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore he, that is God, killed him, and turned the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. So this is an instance of maximum divine discipline. Saul was a saved person. Saul trusted in the Lord, but he didn't trust him enough to do what he said. So I think we'll see Saul in the millennial kingdom, but he will have been demoted. We're to our first section, section A, David's appointment as king. Can I get somebody to read 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 1 through 3? So these verses record David's ascent to the throne over the United Kingdom of Israel and Judah after Saul's death. Oh, I'm sorry. After Saul's death, the tribe of Judah alone had made David king over them. And he was ruling from Hebron, which is down south. Uh, Ishbosheth, who was Saul's son, ruled the remainder of the tribes with support from Abner, who was Saul's general and also Saul's cousin. And then Ishbosheth and Abner had a dispute over one of Saul's concubines who Abner had taken in and was having a relationship with, and Ishbosheth complained about it. And that made Abner very angry. And so he said, okay, I'm going to support David as king, Saul's general. And that is how this happened. David then received Israel at Hebron, and there, there was negotiations between Abner and David to do this. During these negotiations, Joab, who was David's general, became jealous of Abner because he thought he was going to lose power to Abner, and he murdered Abner. So <clears throat> that is left out of the Chronicles, but it's found in the Kings. There's always machinations, <laughs> right? So look at verse 1. Then all Israel gathered to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Okay. The uh, tribes of Israel, other than Judah, present three reasons why they want David to be their king. The first is that we are your bone and your flesh. Okay, this goes back to Deuteronomy, chapter 17, yeah, verses 14 and 15. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. Remember, at the time this was spoken, there was no king in Israel. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your countrymen you shall set as king 
over yourselves, you may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. So Saul fulfilled this. He was their countryman, and he was chosen by God. And now the Israelites come to David and said, okay, we are your bone and your flesh. You're one of our countrymen, so you fulfill that part. And it says, in times past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who led out and brought in Israel. Right? So David had military ex uh, success and experience. So David had a history of military success and experience, and actually that was one of the things that made Saul jealous of him, is because they came up with this little chant, the ladies, and they were coming back that Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. So <laughs> Saul did not like that. Especially politicians, doesn't it? They want power, and they don't like their power threatened. Yeah. No, nobody likes their power threatened. But, um, and you can find that in Second uh, Samuel chapter 5 and verse 2, that David was recognized as a, an excellent military leader. He was an excellent military leader under King Saul. And then also, and this should have been the clincher, also in verse 2, the Lord your God said to you, you shall, you shall shepherd my people Israel, and you shall be prince over my people Israel. So this was well known throughout the nation before this, that God had chosen David. And that is back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And this is when David was a teenager. So Samuel had gone to Bethlehem to Jesse's house, David's father. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? He had already seen all the older ones. And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, there's something about the ministry of the Holy Spirit here which is important to point out. You see what happened here? The Holy Spirit came on David. It says, from that day forward. And this is how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. You could be a believer in the Lord and not have the Holy Spirit. And the Old in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for a mission many times. Yes, many times. For example, Gideon, in the book of Judges, the, the judge Gideon, the Holy Spirit came upon Gideon when he went into battle. Okay. And uh, so now this verse says that 
the Holy Spirit came upon David from that day forward. And we know that David was concerned when he sinned with Bathsheba, and he wrote Psalm 51, and he asked the Lord, please do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Because look at the next verse. But if you look the next verse after it says that the Holy Spirit came upon David from that day forward, <coughs> it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. So Saul had the Holy Spirit upon him, okay, which is another indicator that he's a saved person. But now the Holy Spirit was removed, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. So that that you know makes us understand why Saul essentially went crazy, you know, because he was being demonically terrorized. Um, and you know, in our age, when someone believes in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters them forever, it never goes away. So that's a difference, a wonderful difference, I think. That is a benefit that we have, that we didn't, another benefit that we never earned just because we live in this age, the age of um, grace, where the Holy Spirit works in a different manner than he did in Old Testament times. And it's a wonderful thing that we, the Holy Spirit probably gets pretty irritated living in us at times. <laughs> You know, that's why we can, yeah, we can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. King David has been appointed in the 11 tribes other than Judah gave three reasons why they wanted him to be their king. The first was that he is one of their countrymen. The second was his military experience and success. And the third, which is the clincher in my view, is that God had appointed him already, years before, to be king. And so, and David was ready to be king. So, um, now this is opposed to what happened in the, in the first century in Israel. Remember, Jesus came also as king, as the Messiah. And he came and he presented his credentials. He also was of the nation of Israel. So we have a genealogy back to Abraham through David. He was of the Davidic line. And he fulfilled zillions of prophecies in the Old Testament of what the Messiah would do, including his miracles and things like that. And the Jewish leaders rejected him. Okay. They will get another chance in the future to accept him. But, <clears throat> so, you know, Jesus is the anointed one. That's, you know, Christ is not his last name. Right? Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. It's a title, the anointed. Um, Messiah is the anointed in Hebrew, so in Christ in Greek. <clears throat> so, and they're going to anoint David here. 
So then immediately after that, David conquers Jerusalem, and that is section B in our study this morning. So is anyone up to reading verses 4 through 9? So <clears throat> now this occurred around 1000 BC, this conquest of Jerusalem. So now remember that when the Israelites had entered the land of Canaan, the Lord told them to go in there and kill everybody. And they did not do that. So they, there was a partial obedience. General Joshua had partial obedience back. This is about uh, three or 400 years earlier. And they were to go in and conquer every city and execute everyone there. Jerusalem was particularly tough and um, never was conquered. So this is from Judges 2, verses 1 through 3. After they'd, you know, after Joshua's conquests and things like that, Joshua left cleaning up to the individual tribes. Uh, 2, verses 1 through 3. This is what happened back before this. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bokim, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land, which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you but they will become as thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. So the Lord gave them a chance to go in, and he would have helped them do what he said. The Lord never, if he asks you to do something, he will empower you to do it. He will give you the ability to do it. Um, but they didn't do it. And uh, he waited for a while, and then he said, okay, now I'm not going to help you do it. And these people will stay. And so Jerusalem was never conquered by Israel until David. See, but David had a habit of inquiring of the Lord before he did things, before he attacked anyone. He asked the Lord, "Is should I do this, yes or no? And um, there's no record of him doing that here. But he had a history of doing that in the past. And um, the Jebusites were pretty confident that they could not be conquered because there had been attempts at it before to conquer them, and they'd failed. They're, they were well defended. Jerusalem is up on a hill, and it's easily defended. And um, the way they did it is they went in through the waterworks of the city. So, verse 5, the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, you shall not enter here. And then immediately it says, nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion. So what does that tell you? Yeah, If the Lord wants something done, it will be done. It doesn't matter what the opponent says. So one person plus God is a majority in every case. 
one person plus God is a majority in every case. You know, Gideon went through exactly the same thing. Gideon had an army to do what the Lord asked him to do, and the Lord said, no, that's too many. You'll think that you did it. You know, and he put them through this vetting process to whittle down his army. He whittled his army down to 300. And, and I forget what the, the opposing force was like, 135,000 or something like that. It was, three, you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous, you know. Um, yeah, God, obstacles don't phase him too much. So, so if the Lord wants something to be done, it will be done. And the question that applies to us is, what does the Lord want in your life? You know, you, you can just think about that. If the Lord wants something, if the Holy Spirit is urging you, and according to the Word of God, it is consistent, that is not impossible. If the Lord is urging you to do something, and what the Lord is urging you to do is consistent with what the Bible says, that's how we check that it is the Holy Spirit, then you can do it. You have the power to do it through the Holy Spirit. So, um, first and Second Chronicles, first and second Kings do not apply directly to us, right? I say this every time we switch. All of the Bible is for us, but not all of the Bible is about us. First and second Kings and first and second Chronicles are about the Israelites under the Mosaic law. We are not under the Mosaic law. We are under the law of Christ, but the principles do apply. And the principle that if the Lord wants you to do something and he's urging you to do it, he will give you the power to do it. That applies to us. So look at verse 6 there. Now David had said, Whoever strikes down a Jebusite first shall be chief and commander. Joab the son of Zeruiah went up first, so he became chief. Now, is that the best way to choose a commander? Yeah. I don't know if you know about the history of Joab, but Joab was a loose cannon. Joab embarrassed David more than once. And he killed people. <laughs> he was a murderer. He killed Abner. And, uh, you know, he killed another leader, Amasa, later, because they threatened his power. And eventually David told his son Solomon to execute Joab for those murders. Um, so I wonder here if David maybe should have prayed about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of this contest, he gave him a contest, you know, if you, you know, basically he wanted the most bloodthirsty warrior, the most fearless bloodthirsty warrior, and he would reward him with the command of his army. So that that's just something I was thinking about, you know. Prayer should always, when you're planning to do something, you do it through prayer. The Lord will guide you. He will give you the wisdom to do it, and um, that's how we should be. So then verse 9, David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. And that's how you become greater and greater, when the Lord of hosts is with you.
you know, humble yourself before the Lord, and in due time, he will exalt you. That applies to us as well. We humble ourselves before the Lord. We don't go off doing our own thing. And he, in the proper time, will exalt us. And he's doing that for David here. Okay, so then we skip seven chapters. So I'm going to just give you an overview of those seven chapters, and we'll start up again in chapter 17, verse 1. And that will be section C, David's desire to build the temple. But these intervening chapters, in chapter 12, 22, this is during the time David was in the wilderness. Saul was trying to kill him. Saul was chasing him around, and he was hiding and going in and out. It was a very stressful time for David. But during this time, it says, For day by day men came to David to help him until there was a great army like the army of God. So even during, you know, the Lord is training him to lead Israel through this, uh, you know, this very difficult time when he was being a fugitive from the king and he was trying to kill him. And people recognized David's legitimacy and Saul's illegitimacy, and they were drawn to him. The Lord drawn, drew warriors to him, people from the army. And then in one of these chapters, we see in David's mighty men in his army, one of his mighty men was Uriah the Hittite. Remember, Uriah the Hittite was the husband of Bathsheba. So he was going to, you know, cuckold one of his mighty men, take his wife, and eventually kill him. <laughs> and that is when David's life really got difficult because the Lord started challenging David after that. But <clears throat> Chronicles doesn't talk about that at all. But we're going through kings too. So, And then the other part that is skipped here is when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant had been lost by Israel, the beginning part of 1 Samuel. They were fighting against the Philistines. They were not doing well, the Israelites. And they said, oh, we'll bring the Ark. And they were thinking of the Ark as a good luck charm. So they brought the ark, and the Philistines thrashed them and took the ark from them. And so the ark had, and then the, <laughs> the Philistines took it and put it in their, the temple of their own god, Dagon. And the Lord made Dagon fall over and had his head fall off. And the Lord struck the Philistine cities with the plague. It probably was the bubonic plague. And they said, we got to get this thing out of here. So the Philistines put it on a cart and sent it over to Israel. And it had been in private hands in Israel for almost 100 years. 
before anyone thought to bring it back. So they had, they still had the tabernacle, but the ark was removed and separate. So the tabernacle and the ark were separated for all this time. And the tabernacle was in place on the high place of Gibeon. Okay, but David, David was concerned about the Lord and his worship. That's a godly person. Godliness is concerned about the Lord and the worship that he deserves. And so David went to get the ark. And the first time he got it, he didn't read the instruction manual. The ark was supposed to be carried by the priests, a certain variety of the priests, the Kohathites, to carry the ark on their shoulders. What David did was he got a brand new cart, so it was all new and fancy, and he set it on the cart and had a couple of guys leading it on. And one of those guys died because he touched the ark while it was being transferred. Yeah, while it was being transferred. And, and David, you know, said he wouldn't do it then. Anyway, later he did do it after reading the instructions. And he did it right. And it came back to Jerusalem. That's the intervening part. Yeah, don't read the don't read the directions. Yeah, yeah, that that you know that applies to us too. This book is so important. This book tells us how to live in order to be blessed, how to live to, in order to be blessed, and you know we blow it off. So anyway, David's desire to build the temple. Uh, chapter 17, 1 through 15. How about, I'll read that section. Does that sound all right? Okay. And it came about when David dwelt in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I am dwelling in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under curtains. Then, excuse me, then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. It came about the same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build a house for me to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel to this day, but I have gone from tent to tent and from one dwelling place to another. In all places where I have walked with all Israel, have I spoken a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me, built for me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be leader over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a name like the name of the great ones who are in the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and not be moved again. And the wicked will not waste them any more as formerly. Even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I tell you that the Lord will build a house for you when your days are fulfilled, that you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up one of your descendants after you, who will be one of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build for me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. 
I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my loving kindness away from him, as I took it from him who was before you. But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Okay, so what what is this? Yeah, this is the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant is an expansion of the Abrahamic covenant, which God promised to Abraham that he would give Abraham land, which is the land of Israel, seed, which is many descendants, including the one who, who would rule forever, and uh, blessing which is the new covenant, is the expansion of that. And that is what we participate in, the new covenant. Saying, I will build here my house. Yes, that is true. The yeah, church, that, that is the, the church. The church. Yeah, the church. Um, but this is the kingdom uh, over which David's greater son, Jesus, would rule forever. So in verse 1, David desired to honor the Lord by building him a temple. That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? So when you think of a good thing to do for God, does God always say, do it? Clearly not. (laughs) Because David said, I want to build a temple for the Lord. And Nathan, who was a prophet, before he'd consulted with God, said, yeah, good idea. You know, he originally said, yeah, that's a good idea. Go ahead, because God is with you. Well, then later that night, the Lord said no to Nathan. You know, tell David no. So, you know, even if it sounds good to us, we should seek the Lord. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we always want to go to the Lord. See, this is good. Um, these are good examples for us um, when we plan things. We want to go to the Lord. So the Lord said no, although he commanded, he commended David. He said that was a good job for the desire. So how do you honor and love the Lord? How do we do that? Yeah, if you want to honor and... That was easy. If you want to honor and love the Lord... So this is from the Transfiguration. While he was still speaking... Peter was speaking. A bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then he says, Listen to him. And Jesus says, You are my friends, if you do what I command you. That is how we become friends. We can be saved people, but not friends of Jesus. So we're going to heaven etc. But we ignore what he says. You know, we believe in him, but we ignore what he says in our daily life. We are saved people that are not friends. So yeah, Nathan initially said, go ahead, then heard from the Lord and changed it to no. And we find from the kings that the reason is that David had too much blood on his hands. He was a warrior. He'd killed a lot of people. And The Lord wanted his son to do it. Solomon was a man of peace because David had conquered everything already and gave it to Solomon. 
So verses 10 through 14, after death, God would establish David's dynasty. He would establish his throne forever. David's son, Solomon, would build the temple. And God would establish a father-son relationship with David's descendants. So that's the Davidic covenant, and that is how we know that someday in the future, one of David's descendants will rule in Israel from Jerusalem, and his name is Jesus. And he will not only rule Israel, he will rule right here from Israel, <laughs> from Jerusalem, and we will be a part of it. We will be in his administration. And that is very exciting. Section D, David's prayer of thanks. Now, David was thankful for this. Can I get to read someone to read uh, verses 16 through 27, which is the end of the chapter? Uh, David was thankful. You know, he went in and sat before the Lord, and he probably went in and sat before the ark that was in the tent that he'd made, that he'd brought into Jerusalem, and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, that you have brought me this far? <clears throat> That's something that we should ponder upon. Who am I, exactly, and why am I here? Who am I, and why am I here? And, um, you know, everything we have is from the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, now listen to this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So if you believe in Jesus, you are blessed with every, not some, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We have a lot to be thankful for, you know. And in uh, 1 Corinthians somewhere, it says, what do you have that you did not receive? The Lord gave us our parents. The Lord gave us the time frame in which we live. The Lord gave us the place in which we live. The Lord gave us all the opportunities that we have. And the Lord made us in his image so that we can choose to do things his way or our own way. So he's given us a lot of things. And, you know, as believers, we have a lot to look forward to. A lot. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it's, it's right to be thankful. And this, this truth should create in us a desire to worship. You know, and David is kind of beside himself here. He said, O Lord, for your, verse 19, O Lord, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have wrought all this greatness to make known all these great things. So it's according to God's own heart. Now, the reason that he did this, the reason that he told David this was because he'd made a prior promise, and that promise was to Abraham. I will, you know, give you a seed that will rule. And so what God is doing, God will never go back on a promise, ever. He, it is impossible for God to lie. It says that in Hebrews 6. It is impossible 
for God to lie, Hebrews 6, verse 18. So this is the outworking of how he would fulfill his promise to Abraham and to Adam and Eve, Genesis 3.15. He promised a redeemer that would crush Satan. And it is through David that this redeemer has come. And then chapters 18 through 21, <laughs> this is what happened after this promise. Number one, because he told God told him that he would help David with his enemies. So David conquered the Philistines after this, Moab, Syria, Edom, Ammon, and Amalek. And then he conquered this guy, Hadadezer, king of Zobah. He subjugated nations up to the Euphrates. Now these lands did not become Israel. The prophecy to Abraham is that those lands would become Israel. The liberals will say that that was fulfilled in David and Solomon's time. The nation did not become Israel, and the promise to Abraham was also that it would be Israel forever, and that did not happen. So this awaits a future fulfillment in the millennial kingdom. Of course, during this time, David and Bathsheba tangoed a little bit, and all the stuff that came out of that. And then David had a second sin of numbering the troops. Why was that a sin, to number the troops? He counted them. He wanted a census. He told Joab to go through the nation and count all the fighting men. And Job knew it was a sin. David should have known, because you're to depend on God, not on your troops, not the number of your troops. Remember, one plus God is a majority. And David forgot that. And so the Lord punished him by a three-day pestilence that killed 70,000. And it was after that that David got the site for the temple. And the Lord told him to make an altar there. That was on the, the temple mount. So we've covered 22 chapters. Yay! <laughs> Amen.